Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 and meet me at verse 23. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. I believe, praise the Lord. I'm going to start a series that I believe I'm going to call it Church Words. Church Words. And my goal in this series is to talk about certain words that we hear in church or even that we find in the scripture that may or may not be familiar to us. Before we continue, thank you so much, band. Y'all did an amazing job. Anointed musicians, thank you so very much. And I want to define some words. Over the next several months, I'm going to just hand select words that may or may not be familiar to us because I believe that there needs to be an understanding of what we are reading, an understanding of what the Lord has done for us, and an understanding of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and his substitutionary sacrifice so that we can gain a better relationship with the Lord and then we can be able to explain to others, really communicate to other people what we believe. I mean, why are we at this place that we believe, but we can't explain to others what we believe or why we believe what we believe. And I don't know how long this series is going to last. The Lord will probably change some things Sundays, you know, different Sundays. I may come in with something that he's inspired me with. But over the next two weeks, this week, we're going to get into something. And next week, uh, we're going to talk about prophecy. And I'm going to explain what it is that prophecy is all about there as well. But today, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23... We're going to talk about the grace of God. And we see here in verse 23, it said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you read this verse with me? Come on, let's read it. One, two, three, let's read it together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so sin pays. (laughs) Sin has a salary. Sin will compensate you. And the pension for sin is death. Uh, Death is not only separation from this earth, but eternal separation from God himself. And so for the price, the pension, the compensation for sin is eternal separation from God. But thank God there's the word but coming after the word death. Glory to God. That word but simply means something was said before, but the truth is going to supersede what was simply just said before. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody say the gift of God. God. Now, the gift of God is the grace of God. And this word gift is something that simply means someone has voluntarily given you something. Uh, You could not earn it and you don't deserve it. You couldn't work hard enough for it. You don't look good enough for it. You don't act good enough for it. You have simply received a gift that was unearned and undeserved by you. And the gift of God is the grace of God, simply stating, I have received something that I could not do on my own. 
I have received something that I could not gain on my own. I have received something that I could not work hard enough on my own. I have received something that I did not deserve. And we find here in John chapter 1, and look at verse 17, John chapter 1 and verse 17, and it says here, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Read this with me. Come on, let's read it together. For the law was given through Moses, but Jesus Christ. And so the law was given through Moses. Moses is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ in the old covenant. A type and shadow is simply a resemblance of what the new covenant would bring to us. It was, uh, it was a forethought of what the new covenant would bring to us. And Moses is in type and shadow of Jesus. Moses is a savior. Moses is a deliverer. And through Moses, the law was given. And we understand on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments were given through Moses. But did you know there's over 600 commandments that really the the Jewish people had to observe? And the purpose of the law, now listen to this, the purpose of the law is for you and I to know how sinful we really are. Uh, Let me give you an example. If there were no speed limits on in on the interstate and uh, we we at that point could drive as fast as we wanted or as slow as we wanted to drive. But there would be no repercussions. There would be no consequences for how we drive because there's no law that would dictate what was right and what was wrong. So before the law was given through Moses, the people had no criteria by which they were sinful. The law had to be given to show the people how sinful they really were, to show you and I how sinful we really are. That's why the law was given. And what happened is the people tried to step up to the law and try to prove to God, prove to themselves that they could fulfill all 600 plus laws and commandments. But the truth of the matter is you cannot do that. You can and you shouldn't even try to do it. And so what God did through Jesus Christ, glory to God, that's why I love Jesus. He brought grace and truth. And notice that grace and truth came through Jesus. So it wasn't given. Grace and truth came. So it was personal. And truth is on the side of grace. And so it was personal that grace is a person. And grace is Jesus. And Jesus came and said, listen, I'm going to fulfill all of the requirements of the law for you. You cannot do it yourself. I'm going to do it for you. And he did that. That's why he was perfect. He fulfilled every requirement of the law for us. And then he said, I'm going to give you undeserved kindness undeserved grace and favor, unearned um, privileges and abilities that you, and benefits that you cannot accomplish on your own. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Now, understand justice simply means you're going to get what you deserve. And many of us 
we don't want justice. We don't want justice. You're going to get what you deserve. Mercy is not going to get what you deserve. Thank God for the mercy of God. We are not going to get what we deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And thank God that I'm going to get some things from God that I don't deserve. Matter of fact, I submit to you that you should take the word deserve out of your vocabulary. Like completely eliminate the word deserve out of your vocabulary because if you deserve it, then it's no longer grace. If you deserve it, that means you worked for it or you earned it. If you deserve it, then you have cut yourself off from the grace of God. But God's grace simply says, I'm going to bless you even though you don't deserve it. I'm going to bless you even though you can't work for it or even earn it. I'm going to give you my grace. Come on, somebody shout grace. grace. Now, grace is a gift from God. And grace is a gift from God to you through Jesus. Now, now, now listen to me. Grace is a gift from God to you through Jesus. So anything that we see coming through Jesus is to you. And that is the grace of God. Uh, healing is the grace of God. Jesus got on that cross and bore all of our sicknesses and griefs and sorrows and was nailed to the cross. And he then re absorbed the curse of all of the sickness and pain and absorbed all of our sin, past, present, and you better believe future sin too. And he took that upon the cross and then said, I have come to you and I extend to you my grace. I'm going to give you healing. I'm going to give you prosperity. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to give you peace and joy and kindness and the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to take care of you. And this is simply because of the grace of God. You can't work for it and you can't earn it and you don't deserve it. God wants to give you his favor. That is special kindness and privilege towards you, the favor of God, God wants to extend towards you, not because you can earn it and not because you deserve it. Come on, somebody shout grace. grace. Now, grace is a person and the person is Jesus. Anytime we look at Jesus, we see the grace of God. And far too often, there are a lot of definitions out there. Just talk to people. They can't receive the grace of God. Why can't they receive it? Because they want to work for it. They want to earn it. They want to strive for it. They want to say that I accomplished this. And every time they act that way, they are literally beating their head against the wall because you're never going to be able to earn, work for, and deserve the grace of God. You're never going to be able to get the favor of God by all the goody little two shoes things that you're doing. It has been extended towards you without you being able to earn it or even deserve it. Come on, somebody shout grace. grace. Now, the grace is a word that I cannot exhaust in the period of time that I have. It is such a powerful word. There's so much in the grace of God. But the first thing that I want to talk about today regarding the grace of God is how the grace of God completely forgives you of all of your sins. 
This is so very important. Look at John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29. And this is John the Baptist declaring here. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now notice John the Baptist recognizes Jesus and he declares in front of everybody, this is the Lamb of God. A lamb in scripture is normally used as a sacrifice. This is the lamb of God who will take away all of the sin of the world. The grace of God is God's ability to take away your sin. Now, I I want you to understand this and I'll, I'll go a little deeper with it. But I want you to understand that you do not have a sin problem. Listen to me now. Oh, I got a sin problem. No, you have a problem understanding the grace of God. You you don't have a problem with sin. You have a problem understanding how much God loves you. You don't have a problem with sin. You have a problem understanding how much God is going to give you his undeserved kindness and favor. You don't have a sin problem. You have a problem understanding how much God wants to give it to you and you can't work for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. That's the problem you have. Because if you truly understood the grace of God, you will not want to sin. I have yet to meet a person that truly understood God's grace towards them that wants to go out and keep sinning. And and this is why most people, when they hear this grace message, that God has already forgiven them of all their sin, past, present, or future, or God has already declared that I love you and you can't work for it and you can't earn it and I'm going to give it to you anyway. And uh, anytime you hear someone say something like, um, well, shall we continue in sin? So that grace may abound. We find that in Romans. That's what they said. Paul looked at them and said, God forbid. Matter of fact, this grace message has to be preached so hard that people will have to eventually say what they said to Paul. Shall we continue in sin? Are you saying I should keep sinning? That's how hard you have to preach this message to to shake people to understand it's not about should you keep sinning. It's about can you understand how much you have been given and can you can you begin to imagine how much kindness and favor God has bestowed on you that when you really realize that you don't even want to sin. Sin don't have nothing to do with you when you realize how much you are loved and accepted and embraced by God. I know Pookie and Ray Ray don't love and accept you, but God's grace loves and accepts you and gives to you what you don't deserve and you cannot earn. That will not cause you to sin. And anyone that wants to continue to sin and then say, well, God's grace is sufficient, that person is not saved. Let me give you an indicator. You want to know if somebody's saved or not? If they want to keep sinning and then say, well, God's grace will just say they're not saved. They're not saved. They're using this as an excuse. Or here's where I've heard people say this, too. Well, I'm going to go ahead and lie and then ask the Lord to forgive me. You're not saved. You're not saved. You need to give your life to Jesus. Because if you're going to uh, exploit and prostitute the grace of God like that, then you don't understand the grace of God. Now, thank God for his grace, because if it wasn't for his grace, you and I would be dead right now. 
separated from God eternally and could not even continue to breathe if it wasn't for his grace. Because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And that's the side of grace that that it might take us all of our eternal life to even understand how God will allow sin to continue to abound. But his grace through Jesus abounds more than even sin abounded. And so we see here in John chapter 1, verse 29, once again, John sees Jesus coming and he says to him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. Grace takes away the sin of the world. Matter of fact, they won't be on the screen, but let me quote this. Psalms 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far from the east as from the west. Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Hebrews 8.12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. Watch this. I will remember no more. Say this out to me. God does not remember any of my sins. Say it again. God does not remember any of my sins. Say it again. God does not remember any of my sins. So why do you remember your sins? Why do you focus on your sins and meditate on your wrongdoings and your mistakes and your flaws and your inadequacies? And why do you meditate on your sins when God is saying, I don't even remember your sins? This is the grace of God, the ability to God, for God to literally take away your sin through Christ Jesus. The gospel is the good news that all of your sins are forgiven. Let me say again, the gospel is the good news that all of your sins, every last one of your sins have been forgiven. Now, because of the grace of God, we must understand God's grace does free us from the penalty of sin. So we, we don't have the penalty of sin any longer. Thank God, because the penalty of sin is death. We just read that. And death in scripture means separation from God. Side note, in scripture, if you ever, if you, if you read a scripture, you see the word death, it's, it's literally talking about a people that did not have a covenant with God and they were separated from God through death. But in scriptures, when you hear someone talk about that they went to sleep, those were believers. Believers that had a relationship with God and they didn't, they, they didn't experience death. They went to sleep. Interesting terminology that the Bible uses because death is complete and ultimate separation from God. And so we have been free from the penalty of sin, which is separation from God. Thank God that we are free from the penalty. And would you just take a moment to lift your hands and thank God that we are free from the penalty of sin because we would be in hell on our way right now to eternal separation in hell right now if it wasn't for the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus, that we're free from the penalty of sin. We are also free because of God's grace through Christ Jesus. We are free from the power of sin. 
Romans 6, 14, I believe, tells us that sin no longer has dominion over us. That means sin no longer controls us. You are not enslaved to sin any longer. Sin no longer dominates you any longer. I'll tell the story. There was this happened years ago. Uh, well, I guess I'll tell it. This happened years ago. And um, I, was, uh, I, was, I was at a place where I was, I was in my 20s, early 20s, and I was single, and I was looking to mingle, okay? And I'm in my 20s, and I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm there, and I'm everywhere, okay? What I mean by that is I, I was on the airplane, I had money in my pocket too, so I was, I'm, I'm hanging out, you know? I'm going, hey, you want let's go to California, I'll meet you there, you know? And uh, now I'm a homebody, I guess because I got all these kids, but I used, to be, I used to be on the go. And so I'm here and there and everywhere, and I remember... Uh, I started hearing this this message of grace, and and I used to say, especially in my twenties, I know it's in my twenties, I couldn't say no. For some reason, someone asked me, I just could not say no. Some of y'all, sixty years old, can't say no. You got to be able to say no. But I couldn't say no in my twenties. If you asked me something, I just couldn't say no. Like, oh gosh, I guess I got to do that. And then when I finally hit thirty. I realized that uh, I could say no, and I don't owe you a reason why I said no. I, I mean, when I hit 30, I was like, I don't owe you no reason. No, the answer is no. Do you want to do it? No, I don't want to do that. Why? Uh, who are you asking me why? No. Now that I'm in my 40s, I just don't care. So I, I, don't, I don't care. Like you, I don't like what you said. I don't care. I, I don't like you. I don't care. I don't like how you preach prosper. I don't care. I really, I really don't care in my 40s. I, I don't know what I'm going to be in my 80s. My place, God, I'm going to have to, <laughs> Miss Dorothy, I'm going to have to talk to you how I'm going to be. Because I don't know. If I'm in my 40s, I don't care. Who knows? In my 80s, I'm going to be like, get on out of here. Get up out of here. But I, in, my, in my 20s, I, I, was, I was here mingling, and I went to this church service, and the grace of God was being preached. And at the end of the service, they asked people to come to the front and they wanted to pray over people. And, um, and they, and <laughs> this prayer they wanted to pray over people were people that had a party spirit. And I'm looking around, who got a party spirit in here? Now remember, I'm in my early twenties, right, Tim? Who got a party spirit in here? Somebody got a party spirit. I'm like, and then they said, church pray. And the church was praying. I'm sitting there. The Holy Spirit is like, it's you. And I'm like, oh gosh. And so, so the Holy Spirit said, go down to the front. And I said, um, I'm not going down to the front. So, I mean, everybody in here might know I got a party spirit. I'm not doing that. And, and they kept praying. And one young lady came to the front. And she came slowly to the front and said, thank God it was, it was her, you know. And she came down to the front. And the pastor said, it's not her. He said, ministers pray for her, but it's not her. There's somebody in here with a party spirit. And the Lord wants to deal with that. And I'm sitting there like... Oh, bring, Lord, help bring them, Lord. Bring them, bring them out. Bring them out. And they said, we're going to stay here until they come up. Send them, Lord. Send them. Uh, and I'm praying to send them, Lord. Come on, come on. We got to help them out. And the Lord said, fool, it's you. And I said, oh, gosh, it's me. So I'm, in, I'm sitting in the rows, and I turned to the person next to me, and, and I didn't know who they were. And I turned, they were like, oh, 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 you know, you get out the way. Oh, and I start walking up. Everybody start clapping, you know. I come down to the front. And I get to the front, 
And the pastor said, you know, he had a bunch of ministers come up here. And they all came in. Let's pray over here. And they lay hands on me and they, they prayed over me. And uh, next thing, that was the first time I have ever fell out in the spirit of God. I, next thing I know, I, I, I was laid out on my back. I'm like, what in the world happened? And at that point, they had moved on with the service. I'm laid out on the floor, right? And I thought, my goodness, it was me. And he said, it's, it's him. It was him. And, and so on and so forth. And then they... And then they continued to talk about the grace of God. And, and I got up and I kid you not, I, I kid you not, something happened. I got up and I never had that party spirit again. That party spirit was gone. I could start saying no. So people say, hey, we're going to go hang out at such and such for this barbecue that starts at 1130 p.m. You know, oh, I got to go. You know, I got to go. I got to be. I was like, no, I'm not going. And I said, and they were like, well, why are you not going? Well, I feel led out to tell this story, too. So this, when this happened, they had this party. Oh, we're going to this big old party downtown. And, and Devon, you got to go. We're going to have a good time. You got to go. I said, I'm not going. And they're like, what you mean you're not going? I'm like, I said, no. I don't know. Just this boldness because the grace of God, I could say no. Sin no longer had dominion over me. And I said, no, I'm not going. Well, that night, they all got into this big old fight. Big old police were there. One of my friends was in the hospital. I mean, this big old fight at this party. And I said, look at the Lord. Praise. I would have been wrapped up in that because my friends were all involved and I would have been wrapped up in it too. And I said, look at God. And that, that was the confirmation too. Like, you know what? Sin was going to drive me over there, but it no longer had dominion over me. Come on. You, you put your hands together for Jesus. Sin no longer has dominion. I don't care what you are contemplating with. It has no dominion over you. You need to receive this. You, it doesn't dominate you. You dominate it. You have the spirit of God in you. You have the grace of God on you. And you can dominate that sin. You are allowing yourself to be enslaved to the sin. The truth of the matter is, because of God's grace, the penalty of sin, you are completely free from, and the power of sin, you're completely free from, because of God's grace. But, somebody shout, but, but. you are not free, because of God's grace, from the presence of sin. The presence of sin is all around us, and God's grace does not free you from the presence of sin. Sin is all around you. It could be, it could be in your home. It, it, it's, it's at your job. It's on, it's on the TV. It's, it's all around you. Sin is happening and God's grace does not free you from the presence of sin. You, you can say all day long, all oh, the grace of God and, and, and I'm free from the presence of sin. No, you're not. Sin is still in this earth and it's all around you. And God's grace does not free you from the practice of sin. God's grace, you can, you can practice sin. You can create a habit of sinning. Now, the power of it, you've been free from. You can stop it. But you can keep practicing sin. You can be involved in sin. You can act, be active in sin. And you can practice sin. And God's grace does not free you from the practice of sin. So his grace frees you from what? The penalty, right? Of sin and what else? And the power of sin, but it does not free you from what? The presence of sin and what else? The practice of sin. You have the ability to continue to practice sinning. And unfortunately, if you continue to practice sinning, 
you can bow your knee and become a slave of that sin. All the while having the power to be free from it, you can bow your knee and be a slave to it. So stop sinning. And how do you do that? Understand the grace of God. Recognize the grace of God. God loves me. He has bestowed upon me his goodness, kindness, grace, and mercy. People of there were there were times, and I, I must say this: there were times in high school where a lot of a lot of my friends were getting in trouble with different things. And one of the reasons that I didn't get in trouble with a lot of that buffoonery is because I had a respect for my mom and dad. Does that make sense? Like I didn't want to hurt mom and dad, and if I get involved in this, mom and dad would be hurt. And and mom and dad were so good to me, and and I don't want to hurt them, and and I can't get involved in that. Because I don't want to hurt mom and dad. Likewise, likewise, God's grace is so sufficient for you and it covers everything for you. Why would you want to put yourself in position where sin will then begin to uh, reign in your life? And then you lose your confidence in the grace of God. See, one of the purposes of practicing sin is it causes you to lose confidence in your relationship with God. That is, that's what sin does. Sin, sin can't send you to hell once you're a believer. Did you hear me? Sin doesn't send you to hell once you are a believer. But sin can affect your confidence in your relationship with the Lord and your confidence in the grace of God. So you can't send away your salvation. Let me say it again. You cannot sin away your salvation. God's grace is too sufficient for that. And I know I'm stepping on some sacred cows in here. And I know y'all went to church and every Sunday talked about you was going to hell and you need to come up every Sunday and give your life to the Lord because you was going to hell because you committed some sin this week. But you cannot sin away your salvation because of God's grace. It's too sufficient. Now, I must say it, and I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to go this direction, but I must say it. You can reject it, though. You can reject. You can literally say, I reject the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. You can literally say, I don't want to believe that stuff anymore. You can literally say, I don't want anything to do with that. And not because you're emotional. This would have to be a very sane quality decision that you make on your behalf. Not because you got mad and I got emotional and, oh God, my dog died. I don't trust you anymore. No, that's that. That's not it. That's not it. You would have to have a clear, sane, conscious decision of saying, I don't want to receive the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. Matter of fact, uh, in Hebrews 10.26, I feel led to go there. Hebrews 10.26. Let's take a look at it real quick. This, this verse gets so misunderstood. Verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Let me read again. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, here's how most people preach this. Oh, if you sin after you receive the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no longer a sacrifice for your sins. That can't be true. I I mean, I have missed the mark just as recently as probably this morning. 
I have somehow missed the mark. So if I sin willfully after I know Jesus, there's no sacrifice for my sin, that cannot be true. Or what if I willfully sin like the Lord says, don't say that to Stacy. Don't say, oh, shoot, I'm going to say it to her anyway because we're in the middle of an argument. I'm just going to say it. That's a willful sin. So does that now mean there's no sacrifice for my sin? Not at all. If you read this in context in all of Hebrews chapter 10, it's simply saying if you willfully sin or if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ willfully. And you know that to be true, his sacrifice for your life. Jesus is not going to get on the cross a second time. He's no, there, there's no longer a sacrifice for your sin because Jesus is the sacrifice for your sin. So if you willfully say, I'm done with Jesus, there's nothing else that can be done because he is the one that's the sacrifice for your sin. Not if you sin after you know Jesus. And I've heard this preached. Oh, if you sin after you know Jesus, especially if you willfully did it, there's no sacrifice and you're going to hell. What in the world? I mean, that, that, where's the grace of God in all of this? That's not true. It's the rejection of Jesus where the willful sin, sins occur. When you reject Jesus, then there's no sacrifice for your sin. But aren't you glad that even if you were to sin after knowing Jesus, God's grace is more than sufficient for you and I. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands and thank God for his grace. His grace is more than sufficient for you and I. In Ephesians chapter 2, turn there real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And we're going to see here what takes place in Ephesians 2. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look at verse 9. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so watch this. For by grace, you have been saved. So you've been saved by grace, but in order to access this grace, it's going to take faith. Faith accesses the grace of God. So Jesus has come into the world, has already extended grace to everybody on the planet. Everybody can have the ability to receive this grace, but faith is what activates this grace. Faith is what uh, accesses God's grace. In order to access his grace, faith is required. And so faith accesses a grace. Here's what does not access God's grace. Not of yourselves. Not of works. Not of yourselves. That does not access the grace of God. The only thing that accesses the grace of God is faith. And then we find out it is God's gift. It is God's gift that we receive his grace, which is ultimately the forgiveness of all of our sins. This is so very important that you understand that your sins have been forgiven. And once your faith activates his grace, you'll receive transformation to take place in your life. This also works in other ways. If you look at Mark chapter 2, do you remember the man who was brought by four other men and they opened up the roof? This is one of my favorite stories. They opened up the roof and they lowered him down. Do you remember the first thing Jesus said to him? The very first thing Jesus said when he saw their faith, the very first thing Jesus said to them was, your sins are forgiven. That was the, that was the very first thing he said. 
And soon as he says your sins are forgiven, I believe faith was activated. And they grabbed the hold of the grace. And that man walked out of that building. Because grace was extended, faith grabbed it, and healing took place. It's the same way with salvation. Grace has been extended. Faith grabs a hold of it. And new creation takes place on the inside of us. And once you realize that all of your sins are forgiven and that God does not hold anything against you, faith will spring forth. But it starts with, if you're having, if you're having trouble with your faith, it's going to start with, do you have a realization of the grace of God? I'm having trouble believing God for that. Then you're really saying, I'm having trouble understanding how much I'm loved by God. I'm having trouble, uh, uh, you know, acquiring that from God. If God, if you could just give it to him, I'm having trouble obtaining it. You're really having trouble with understanding the grace of God and how much you are loved and how much he wants to give you in an undeserved, unearned way. This is God's grace. And so when I'm having trouble with something, I start practicing saying this out of my mouth. My father loves me because I'm saying I've got to overwhelm myself with God's grace. So then my faith can grab a hold of it. I'll start saying, my father loves me. My father loves me. My father, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Oh, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Notice I don't say I love him. I love him. I love him. Because we love him because he first loved us. So I say he loves me. So when I start saying he loves me, then my love for him begins to increase. And then my faith begins to increase. And I'll begin to get a chance to grab a hold of his grace. And then transformation takes place because uh, one of my friends says it this way, uh, grace sets the table, faith eats. I love that. Grace sets the table, faith eats. Amen. Uh, another one, I like to say it this way, uh, grace makes, faith takes. Grace makes, faith takes. And so it's this grace and faith that work together, and then we, it, it happened in our salvation, and it happens in every other area of our lives. Now, with all that being said, what is your responsibility? What is your responsibility? And in this series, when we talk about these biblical words, I'm always going to end with what is your responsibility. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 18 through 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 through 20. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, that's the New King James Version. In the New Living Translation, I want to read it out loud. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, I want to break this down for you momentarily, but God is the one that initiated this ministry of reconciliation. And reconciliation simply means to bring together. To bring together. Now, restoration means to bring back together better than original. But rest or reconciliation means to bring together. So God is in the business of connecting. 
He's in the networking business. He, he's connecting himself with humanity. He's in the business of connecting. So he has a ministry of reconciliation. He started this ministry of reconciliation. Now understand, he's not the one that's been guilty. We were the guilty party through our sin. But he, he put out what I would like to call an olive branch. He says, I'm the innocent party here, but I'm going to start the conversation. I want to connect with you. And that's called reconciliation. And here's the good part. What is your responsibility? He says here that he is giving us the task of reconciling people to him. So our responsibility is to bring people to God. Our, our job is to connect God with people. This is our job when we talk about receiving the grace. Now we have a duty, we have a task of bringing people to God. But what is our strategy for that? Our strategy for that, it says here that we are to tell people that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Let me say it again. Our strategy is to tell people that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Let me say it again. Our strategy is to tell people that God is no longer counting people's sins against them. Now, this is important because our task is to bring them to God. Our strategy is to notify them God's not counting your sins against you. But it's not that God is excusing their sin. Listen to me. It's not God excusing their sin. God is saying, uh, I have already paid the debt of, of your sin. So I, we're not telling people God is excusing your sin. Just keep sinning. God's going to excuse it. That's not what we're telling people. What we're telling people is the debt of sin, which is eternal separation from God, has already been paid. Glory to God. I thought y'all get excited about that. But it has already been paid. Glory be to God. The debt has already been paid. All you need to know is God's not counting that sin against you. If you reconcile with God, if you come back to God, if you plead with God, in verse 20, it says there uh, that we are an ambassador, which is a representative of a king. We're representing a king in a foreign land, and we only speak what the king tells us to speak. We don't speak what we want. We say what the king wants us to say, and the king wants us to tell people, come back to God because he's not counting your sins against you. Return to God because he's not counting your sins against you. Come to God because he's not counting your sins against you. That there's a debt for sin. And that debt is eternal separation from God. But here's the good news. Your sins are no longer being counted against you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That's the good news. It's not you ain't got to perform no magic trick. You ain't got to do a miracle. You ain't got to do a backflip. You ain't got to say, watch, I'm a, you go, I'm a bowl of strike. And if, if I do, God's with me. You ain't got to do none of that. You just got to tell him, listen, I got good news for you. God's not counting your sins against you. You know why? He's not excusing it, but it's already been paid. And all you have to do is believe that you receive him. And then you tell people this, see, because Romans tells us in Romans chapter 10, it says, um, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
thou shalt be saved. It didn't say you, you, you may be on the road to getting saved. It didn't say you might be saved later on down in life. No, it says right now you shall be saved. And what are we, what are we saved from? The penalty of our sins. We're saved from the penalty of sin and the power of the sin. Thou shalt be saved. So all you need to talk to people, and I want to help you with this. When you talk to people, all you need to do is tell them to say, all you really need to do is say, Jesus is Lord. Do you believe that your sin has been paid? Man, I, I believe it's been paid. Then simply say, Jesus is Lord. Can everybody say that with me? Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Now, if you believe that in your heart, as you said it with your mouth, transformation has taken place in your life. And you're, you are saved from the penalty of sin. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www. Dot truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Music